evening, everybody. I love that song. Like, whenever I be going through something, I be singing, I'm invisible for last time. I be singing, singing. So tonight, we are back in the clubhouse with Shake the Room. We are back with another edition of this series, which we're actually doing in the month of guidance where we are bringing real people, real people to the stage with their real life stories, their real truths, and they're sharing it with you. And um, in this space called Elevate, which is open to anybody to join who wants to be accountable to really growing, we have accountability partners each month and we have a theme. And this month's theme is guidance and um, accountability partners are picked normally randomly out of a hat but the two queens that are going to be speaking in the room today they we played a game this month and the game was you got to write down a name that you wanted to pick to be with um after hearing the word guidance and these two queens picked each other and interestingly enough out of all the people in elevate this was there was only two sets that picked each other and this is one of the sets so tonight we're going to unravel their journey so far. We're going to unravel what they've started to tap into, what they're discovering and where they are right now. Um, we share a lot of content in these rooms that you can pick up later on the Cup of Tea podcast. And sometimes in sharing that content, it, it sounds very blase. It sounds very much like, well, that's easy for Coach T. Is it really? And also... These women that are coming to the stage on Wednesday evenings are sharing their truths. They're sharing it in real time. They're sharing the things that the tools has helped them deal with, the things that the tools is helping them face and the things that the tools is helping them overcome now. Both of these two queens, funnily enough, walked into the space as strangers and walked in literally a couple days apart from each other, I believe two to three months ago now. And so we're going to hear, is there any coincidences? Is there any realizations? Is there anything that is similar that has really got these two in account this month? So please, although we can't hear you guys, give them a warm welcome to the stage. Miss Anna Beck and Miss Julie. Grand evening, Queens. How are you? That's great. Are you feeling ready? As ready as I'm ever going to be. I love that. I love that. Miss Anna, I think it's the first time we're having you on the stage. So on the bottom right hand corner, there is a mic and yep, you've got it. If you hit it, you're one mute. How are you, Queen? I am good. Are you feeling ready? Oh, no. Yes, I, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> awesome. So I picked a stick for you queens to kickstart the room and I love it. Before I opened this room, something said to me to go and get my sticks, which are actually called um, Be Strong, Hold On. These are a collection that I wrote specifically because my sister was struggling with a lot of mental health. And I just realized as much as I feel like I could help the world, there was so much I just couldn't help her with. And um, the amount of time that she spent in and out of hospitals, um, in and out of dark places, I was just like, oh my God, I, I need to give her something. So I created this collection with her in mind. 
Um, and I love this collection because they're one of, there's only two collections that are pure white and these are pure white. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted people to remember that in our pureness, there's just, there's just everything, yet it can feel like there's nothing. And so I reached for these sticks today and the stick that I picked to open the room, and I loved it because it literally says, breathe and relax. And I think that's perfect for you, Anna and Julie. It can be nervous coming to the stage to speak your truths. It can be nervous um, speaking at all, period. But in this moment, I just want you both to remember that it's just a platform to share, but most importantly, it's a space to be yourself. And by being yourself unapologetically, that's how we encourage people to shape the room. That's how we encourage people to take up space. And that's how we continue to encourage people to know that their views, their opinions, their thoughts, their stories matter. And we're here for it. So let's go. Miss Julie, firstly, because we've kind of heard you in the room over the last few months. Just tell us so far, how has your journey been through Elevate? What did you walk in the doors for? What are you getting? And how has it surprised you, if it has at all? Um, what's your journey been like so far? Well, grand evening, everyone. Um, where shall I start? Well, at the beginning, at the beginning, I joined in July, around about the 25th of July, I think it was, the date that I actually joined. Um, it was after one of your masterclasses. I was just so blown away. I thought, this is what I've been looking for. And I've been looking and asking and praying for something. I wasn't sure what it was, but I was I was praying for something. I was Something was missing since my mum passed away. And it really is around that time when I really think back now. Something's been missing. Apart from the fact that I missed my mum. Something was missing in me, and I didn't know what it was, didn't know where to look, where to find it. So after the masterclass, literally, I just thought, right, I'm joining. This is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. Um, I came in um, completely fresh and naive. Let's let's use those words. Didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know what to do, to be honest. Um, which is probably a good thing, because if I had known, I may not have joined. <laughs> We'll delete that part out later. <laughs> no, because it's no, in a good way, in a good way, and as much as sometimes it's best to walk into something fresh, just fresh and new without any preconceived, without anybody telling you what to expect, because you can build up a whole story in your head and fear alone will just stop you from doing it. So I'm glad it happened the way it did. God has been guiding me and he always, he always has done and he always will. And since I've joined, I have, I would say I have completely changed. A lot of work to do, but I have completely changed. I don't actually remember who I was before, if that makes sense. It's, um, it's really hard for me to look back and think who I was before. I still have habits from the old me, which I'm working on. But I genuinely just, I don't recognise myself. I look in the mirror now and I think, who is this woman? You know, who is this woman that's been searching, has found what she needs? She needs to reconnect with God, basically. That's what it was like. That's what's missing in my life. My reconnection to God, my, my purpose, why I'm here. And, um, and I can honestly say I've, 
I'm learning. I've got tools. I've got a lovely group of, of women that I'm with who support me and care for me and is making my journey a lot easier because I've got to be honest again, it's been hard. Really hard. And I love um, it. Um, before, we've heard you say as well that connecting with women alone or been in a circle of women or maybe not women in particularly but a group is not your thing why was that not your thing and was changed and shift since then um I've always been a loner um I come from a big family and I have always wanted I, I I've always wanted my own space let's put it that way and so as an adult I created my own space which meant I don't have very many friends but that's through my own choosing. Um, as I said, I've got a large family and I always wanted peace. I've always been seeking peace. Mm. Um, so to join a group, any group, whether it be male group or female group, just wasn't my thing. I quite liked it. If I've got something to do, I like to go and do it, get it done. I know it's done then and it's done how I like it. Um, so it, it, again, it's just me. I, I'm, I, I'm quite a lonesome person. But I love my own company as well, which is which is a good thing. So in coming to join a group, again, outside of comfort zone, but I did, I jumped in literally, feet first, actually I jumped in head first, to be honest. Um, I found it absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. What I have learned has been, it's been phenomenal. I love that. And how are you, um, how do you really think the group space is, is benefiting you because I do individual coaching as well right so you could have picked that journey maybe you didn't at the time but you know it's an option available to you so what is it about the group energy that you feel is just really supporting you if you like if that's what it's doing or nourishing you it's doing both actually to be honest it's supporting me and nourishing me and revealing so much to me um and it's actually, it's actually sharing. It's listening to other people's stories and seeing what they're going through and how they deal with it. And then I've been through that, or I can adapt to that, or I can use that. It's it's the sharing and the caring for me, the genuine caring, the genuine love that I feel in the group. I feel supported. I feel that I can be hot. Um, yeah, and I do. I just feel relaxed in the group. I love that. Thank you so much, Miss Julie. I got some questions for you, but I'm going to come back. We're going to let Anna introduce herself. Miss Anna, you tell us what made you come in, how are you finding the journey, and where are you at now? Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm actually stopping myself from tearing up at the moment. Um, uh, purely because um, I... I sat this evening before I came on and I prayed and God said, gave me a question that you were going to ask first. And that is the question that he gave me that you were going to ask first. So I know he's with me tonight. Oh my God. Um, Do you God, see when it's from God, that confirmation. Oh my gosh. I actually typed it to myself. So if it, if you did ask the question, I was going to say, hey, look, God's <laughs> in the house. Anyway. Oh, okay. So. I came to this group because I was, um, I've been looking for something for a while and just like Julie, I didn't, I didn't 
realised what it was that I needed. And, and after having a conversation with um, a very close friend um, on a journey to Slough many months ago, back in July, she was sharing something in that conversation that, that, that my ears went like they just almost came like big kind of like drums like oh my gosh this is it this is something that I need why can't why can't I have something like that where I am um and then there was a sudden realization that actually this is an online thing so I made a conversation um with Tanya and we spoke about what it is that I needed or what I felt that I needed. And, and it was all about my confidence, about my lack of confidence. Uh, and then I joined the elevation team. And a bit like Julie, um, I've got a very small circle of friends. Um, and I didn't really feel like I had it a lot of support. I was a person that was giving, giving and investing and investing and doing and doing for everybody else except for myself. And I just wanted a place where I could come and just be, just just to breathe and just smile. And and I've not that I've not had that in my life for a long time because I've always been the other person, the other person that everybody relies on, the other person that just does everything for everybody else. And coming into the group with a group of ladies, um, I I wanted to hide. <laughs> I wanted to hide, but it, you, you you actually can't hide in the group because you are. It's not that you feel naked. It's just that that everybody shares things and you can't help but share it almost draws something out of you that you just before before you've said something you're like oh did i say that oh my gosh and that but but the, the space enables you to be open it enables you to to share things that you necessarily wouldn't share with others and during my time in the space it's just been and it's been like a like a love bubble um the ladies have loved on me they have said some absolutely some amazing things which have drawn me to tears i mean tears because of the love that they've shown to me and for me i'm in a place now where i never thought i would be um i didn't really know myself um I was always the person that everybody wanted me to be, not that that not the Anna that God made me to be. Um, because for 20, 20 odd years, I was somebody else um, from a marriage, from from being in a marriage that controlled every part of my life. Uh, so I didn't know who I was. Now in Elevate, um, beginning to realize actually who I am and who I was created to be um and that's only been because of the process of going through Elevate it's allowed me to be vulnerable it's allowed me to um have a really good look at myself and like myself for the first time in a long time I didn't actually know that I liked myself <laughs> When you hear, when you hear people talk about you in a way that you don't see, it throws you a bit. Um, 
and you kind of I I don't I don't accept compliments. I don't accept things nice said about me because of where I come from. But I'm actually getting to a point where I'm actually starting to believe that stuff about myself and and to be place is just amazing you know so many people around me have noticed the difference you know that I'm walking taller that I'm I'm stepping forward that I'm standing um standing up for myself uh being confident just like Julie said I don't recognize that person that I was three months ago that you know I'm like who was that <laughs> please um so so yeah it's mm. I am in a good place, even though there's been some um, there's been there's been some revelations and some um, some tears and some testing and some struggles along the way. I know it's been part of the process in growing me, growing me to a place where I need to be. Um, and so yeah, I am I'm good. There's been some things that have come up and. You know, I'm working through those processes. I'm work, I'm doing the work, and you know, there's this. Even though it's tough sometimes, when you come out on the other side, oh, it's a good, good feeling. It really is. I love that. Thank you, Anna. And just from both of you talking, I pray that people in the room, just to reset the room, on Wednesdays, we're bringing up people who are actually in the Elevate space, real people, their real lives, their real stories as they're unfolding now. Um, because when I come into these rooms, I share a lot of content, but I don't know if you guys hear it in real life. So these people are coming to the stage to be naked. They're coming to be raw. Last week, we spoke about mental health and two of the queens came up and spoke about their personal battles with it. And we've just allowed these queens to introduce themselves, but we're about to go a little bit deeper. I can already feel it. Um, so if you've just come into the room, make sure you stay locked in because it's about to get juicy. One thing that I noticed in, well, actually, funnily enough, there was quite a lot of similarities in a lot of the things that both of you said. And I personally believe that is what the universe is always doing. It is always giving us one, what we ask for. Both of you said you was looking, you was finding, you was asking, you was praying, you knew something was missing, but you couldn't put your finger on it. But the minute that you knew, you knew. And I think that sometimes people come into these rooms and they ask, well, how do you know when it's from God? Or how do you know when it's the right thing? Or how do you know? How did you guys know? Um, how did I know? I knew after the masterclass, I was literally, I was shaking. And a voice in my head said, join join now I think I rang you straight after the masterclass and I said I want to join up I think I joined up there and then literally within 10 minutes um I just knew it was for me I just knew what I'd been looking for was there it was, it was a feeling a feeling of this is it this is what I've been looking for and pr prior to that point how often and just in context to anything have you ignored that same feeling that same feeling that something is telling you do something now and you just ignore it. What feeling? <laughs> <laughs> Was that an indication to say that before you really didn't allow yourself to feel? I allowed myself to feel. 
feel, but my head would always kick in. So it would be, did I feel that? No, you didn't. And and that's it. Off you go. Mm. Busy, busy, busy. Off you go. Something else. On to something else. On to something else. So yes, I would feel, but once my head would kick in, that feeling would be pushed to one side and off I'd go. Busy, the greatest distraction of all time. Did you guys hear it there in real life? <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. Miss Anna. So, so prior to Elevate, um, I had done a 12 month uh, mentoring uh, with somebody because I knew I had to, I knew, uh, in, in my purpose in life, I knew I had to step up the level. I, need, I knew I needed to get myself to a level where um, my confidence could grow and I need to get from here to there but I needed somebody to help me do that and having gone through a 12 month mentoring uh, coach he still didn't get me there I knew I actually wasn't there because I was still lacking in these things and so when I sat down and had a conversation um, with a close friend and she was explaining to me about how she had gone from here to there. That was it for me. My ears pricked up and I just asked so many questions about, okay, what's it involved? How do you do? Da, 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 da. And that for me was just, I was just fixated on that all the way through the conversation. I knew then and there, that was the thing that I was, that I was asking for. Um, and I love it because I remember our first conversation and you rang after the exact same masterclass that Julie rang after. So I don't really remember what happened in that masterclass, but it must have been good. Um, <laughs> you both rang and was like, yep, I, um, I want to talk to you or I'm in. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And what was crazy is that was a last minute decision to open the doors because the masterclasses were just meant to be for people in the circle, but we were like, you know what? No, let's just open the doors. And what was so interesting, I remember when we had our call, I literally, my whole body was covered in goosebumps. I couldn't, like, there was nothing that I could say. There, there was just, I was just like, whoa, this is such a crazy feeling. And when I have those kinds of connections, I'm like, oh God, oh, this is it, this is it. And one thing I noticed about both of you, when you came in, both of you were seriously obedient, like seriously. If I said, do this, you guys did it. Things that I was saying that I didn't even know that I was saying, you guys were picking up the thread and getting the work done. So there was a level of discipline that you guys already had, which also allowed me to identify straight away your doers. And I didn't know how much you was allowing yourself to be. So I would ask you both, and I love the title. The reason why I called this room, I slept on myself for a long time. I'm up now. It's very easy for mothers, especially to do for everyone else but their self. It's very easy for people to do it, period. But mums kind of get stuck in that program, especially when we have children, especially when we want the best for people around us. We give, 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 give. And before you know it, we're dead last. But you two came in with this work ethic that was like, I'm going to do the work. But another thing both of you did was the self-love journey. Tell us, how was it for you guys? And what was your relationship like with self and love 
prior to doing that journey? You guys can just chop and talk. Um, I'll jump in there. For me, um, when I saw it, because I thought it was just, I thought it was a mandatory thing. I thought that everybody had done that. I thought it was part of the process. So when I jumped in and, and did that, there was a realization that after about three days, I just had to get on the phone to Tanya, and I just thought, "What are you doing to me? I mean, like, <laughs> what, are, what on earth are you doing to me?" As it progressed along, um, there was a bit, there was, there was a, uh, even it just brings, I'm, I'm shuddering now, just even thinking about it. There was, there was one of the um, podcasts was about, a, there was a letter, a letter to your father. And I actually had to pull over my car and park on the left hand side because it broke me to tears. And following on from that and on and on and on and on. There was a realization that I didn't actually love myself. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like myself. I didn't love myself, and I actually didn't know this. I didn't know this until I actually went through that 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 process of actually starting to look at me for a change, because I've never really looked at me like Anna. Who's who? Who the hell is Anna? I've never. I've never asked myself that question before. Who am I? Yeah, I'm Anna. I'm the mother of five children, so many grandbabies. I'm married to such and such. And such. That's that's always. I was always that person. I am Anna. Not not that actually. Anna is. Uh, Anna has purpose. Anna is on a journey of self discovery. Anna is da 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 da. It was always like a name or a title. So for that, that actually brought something out in me that I'm, I started to really look at me for a change rather than everybody else. Yeah. I love that. Just like um, Anna, I, um, I actually did the self-love um, journey because, again, I thought everybody else had already done it in Level Up or in one of the other um groups that you'd had and I thought oh no they they disobedient okay <laughs> they they don't do it <laughs> I thought everybody had done it so um I for one I I actually throughout life I think well not think I always told myself that I loved myself I was wrong on doing the self-love I realized that my perception of love um, how love was shown to me, how I showed love was just completely the opposite to what I actually thought I was doing. Um, it was it was a journey and a half to self-love, I've got to be honest. That letter that Anna refers to, well, 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 well. I had to phone you, Tanya, after the letter, didn't I? I was absolutely broke. I was sobbing, absolutely sobbing. I said, you could have at least warned me, at least give me a little heads up. And she literally said, if there's any more things like this, I'm not doing it, so you better tell me now. You better tell me now. If there's anything else like this, I'm not doing the rest of the journey. <laughs> I, I literally, well, I couldn't do the rest. After that, I thought, right, you know what, I can't do any more of this, so... I, I didn't do any more that day. And the next day I thought, oh, should I do the next podcast? Oh, no, what else is going to be? <laughs> I did 
did it and it was again another revelation for me in again, my perception of love how i see love how i'm loved how i've taught people to love me um and the depth the depth of love Love to me was always, oh, I love you, I love you. There's so much depth to love, to the love that I have that I was blissfully unaware of. And I may have said I loved myself before, and again, surface level love, but the depth of love that the self-love journey took me on, it just had me reeling, literally reeling, and reeling and writing for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I answered questions in there that you didn't actually say to us, so you'd maybe put two questions for the, the actual podcast, and there'd be other questions in there that you'd be, just be talking about. And I thought, I'm going to answer all of them. I'm going to answer all of them because it's relevant to me. And I'm, I want to love myself deeply, wholly, truthfully. That's it for me. I love it. And um, so you guys, that, that journey has unraveled for you. Um, and again, it wasn't a stop and start journey. Both of you were consistent with it. And I think if you're consistent for the 21 days, it's intense. I'm not going to lie, it's intense, but I think that it gives you the truth and the ability to be able to step forward in your truth. We're covered in so many layers um, and we're kind of oblivious to who we really are. Like, I love how much people, when I walk into a room and I say, who are you? They go, I'm a mom, I'm this, I'm a teacher. And I'm like, okay, cool. Who are you without those titles? And they're like, huh? And I ask again, who are you without those titles? And they have no idea who they are. And we've lived our whole lives being that mom, that sister, that teacher, that counsellor, that this, that. And we've defined ourselves by these roles that we play. But I want to know who you are underneath your beautiful. I want you to know who you are under your beautiful. And I think when those layers come off, every Think. And I'm not talking about some things. I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about everything looks different. Everything. And until you allow that to happen, you wouldn't even know what we're talking about because you would probably think, how could it be so different? But I'm telling you, it's different. I've had people do that journey from when I released it last year, February. And when I released it last year, February, um, they didn't know what it would do for them then. And they went through the process, it undressed them. They couldn't believe up until that day, they had no idea who they were. Up until those three weeks, they probably never cried a day in their life, some of them. Some people couldn't go into work because they was doing it in the morning. And a year later, they're like, I am so grateful I took that journey. I don't have the same job. I'm not in the same relationship. I'm not in the same place because all of those things, I was in those things because I didn't even know I was worth something. I didn't even know I was valuable like that. I was just accepting life. I was just sitting here watching life go by. I was just being without really realizing I've got something to give. I've got something to get. I've got something to gain. And so I would invite you all to do that journey. It's very intimate. It's very personal, um, but it's very deep. But we're coming to the end of the year. And if you really want to step into thriving next year, give yourself permission. Give yourself 21 days to uncover. Male, female, whatever you are, 
it's for all of us. Sometimes male just don't think that self-love is for them. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. But I want to get a bit deeper. In this relationship that you two have found together in this month of guidance, you found a connection over something. You found some common denominators. What are they? Do you want to go, Anna? <laughs> I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say daughters and control. Oh, Julie, is it the same two things? Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, being honest. <laughs> Did you have anything else, Julie? What, that I thought that we had in common? Yeah. Reason. I'm not quite sure what that reason is yet, but we did. Okay. Something else. I'm not sure what it is yet. Tell us about this control then. Control. Go on, go on, Anna. You can go first. I'll allow you. Oh. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. I think no. It's true that my my controlness comes from actually being controlled. Um, I was in a domestic violence marriage for 17 years um, and the person that I was with controlled every aspect of my life, my hair, my makeup, my clothes, my shoes, my underwear, where I went, where I, where I went, who I went with, who came in the house, everything. And so, so when that ended, of that's not going to happen to me again I'm not going to have anybody control any aspect of me but it went to the other extent of controlling every single thing around me where literally walls up in every single area of my life I put walls up so that nothing could come in and cause me any pain sound like my mom oh my god <laughs> I was protecting myself 
uh, from being hurt and from anybody causing me pain. Um, but I just, I just wasn't living. I was just existing in in a bubble. Um, until I came to Elevate, I didn't realise how much control I had over everything because it, it sort of you you start when I went through that twenty one day self love. It was starting to realise that actually. I wasn't allowing people in to love me. Everything with love was conditional because it had to be this way and that way, or you know, or love you because of this. Uh, you can't love me because of that. And it, it's just so sad. It, it, it's, it's just so sad that that's how my life was. Um, you've given me a big realization though, because I witness a lot of people with that level of control and funnily enough they've come out of a domestic violent relationship I have never linked the two until I've just heard you speak and maybe because you couldn't control that situation you want to control everything else and you've actually given me a bit of peace for myself um like this morning if you was in the room y'all heard I was getting upset about the dishes You have to laugh at yourself because that's the truth. When we're working so hard to get things right, if you like, to get things in alignment, to get things on purpose, when things are out of place, it can seriously trigger you. It's not a joke. And the reason why it triggers you is because you want to control the things you can control because you know there's certain things you can't control. This is amazing. And I pray that some of you in the room are getting clarity about some of your habits. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Anna, based on what you said, you've told us who you've become coming out of that situation. I want to ask, how did you get into that situation? Into, into that relationship. Yeah, what, what in you was allowing that to be acceptable for, for 17 years? My mother, not my my mother's fault, Um, but my mum went through, um, like, traumatic domestic violence. And as a young girl, I saw a lot of the damage that was done to my mum. And growing up, when you're in that kind of environment, it's... Who haven't experienced that, what I'm going to say is going to seem a bit off, but it actually becomes normal. And it's normal behaviour because you learn that that's how a man treats a woman. And it's acceptable because nobody's doing anything about it. And you don't know that that's not normal because you don't know anything else because that's what's going on in your house. So when that happened to me, when he first put his hands on me, yeah, I was shocked, but I went back. He did it again, I went back. I went back till it then became normal in my house. To normal to the point where it wasn't actually happening. It was just a normal daily thing. Because now you're numb to it. Yes, yes. And I didn't realise that I was suffering from domestic violence until I went to college and did an assignment on domestic violence. I didn't even know that was going on in my house. 
Wow. I thought that I was asked to do an assignment for a course that I was doing and I picked domestic violence. And when I went to the library to do some research on it, I came across the Duluth model, model and it's the wheel of violence. And as, as, I, as I was looking around this wheel, I just went, oh my goodness, this is happening to me. I didn't know that was happening to me. And a wow. lot of people would look at that and think, well, how did you know that he was hitting you? But no, that was normal in my house. Can I just stop there? Because that is so powerful what you've just said. First of all, we kind of can sometimes assume that everybody sees things the same way and we a thousand percent don't. Um, when you grow up witnessing certain things, like Anna said, they can just become normal because technically that's the foundation that's laid for you. So why would you want other things? Why would you accept anything other? Many people who witness domestic violence become domestically violent. And it comes from them not being able to control or protect their parents. They end up doing the same thing, even though they hate it, even though they like it. The laws of the universe are the same. What we focus on, we get. That's it. The universe doesn't give us what we want. It gives us who we are. And sometimes we have so much energy in what we don't want that we attract it. We create it. This is so amazing for you to be able to say that because so many people wouldn't say that because there's so much things put out especially now that you're supposed to know that's wrong it's just like years ago many people being touched inappropriately or interfered with inappropriately actually it wasn't inappropriate why because so many people's uncles and aunts or sisters and brothers was doing that to them and the truth of the matter is, unless we start speaking up and out about these things, they're going to still happen. They are still happening. People are in domestic violent relationships right now and they can't identify it. Why? Because the same tone that their man speaks to them is the same tone that daddy spoke to their mummy in. The same tone that mummy is abusing daddy with is the same tone that you're now abusing your partner with because you don't know love. You know love being control. You know love being conditional. And love is none of those things. So Anna, I just want to say thank you for sharing that point because it's so beautiful. And it's incredible that you actually didn't know it was normal because it wasn't normal because it was normal to you. So been able to stay 17 years was normal. What allowed you to finally get out? How did you have the courage to finally step out? Um, I know this is going to sound, this is going to sound really uh, off. Um, but I tried to, I, I tried to kill myself. That's, that's just as plain and simple as that is. Um, and I was going to take my life because I couldn't cope in that situation no more. And I just woke up one day, got dressed, got in my car, went around to, I don't know how many chemists, whole heap, about 300 tablets maybe, I don't know, and ended up on a, in a, a place called Barbican, and that was going to be my resting place. And I just, I just started down in these tablets with the water and 
All I remember is, I remember, I know now that God saved me that day because I actually ran out of water. I couldn't physically swallow any more tablets. And that's when I realized that I was in trouble. And when I went to the hospital, I was in hospital for three days. They took me to, they took me into a crisis room and they, they sat in front of me and, and said, do you realize what you've done? And I said to them, no, what he did to me. That was the moment that I realized that he nearly took me from my children because I didn't think about them on that day. I didn't think that me taking me away was going to do them any good. I didn't, I didn't think on that day. I just, my brain just went. So when I got, got in that room with those people and they looked at me like I was like crazy, that was the moment that I woke up and said, no, no more, no more. This is, this is the day that I'm coming out of this. It took me four years to get out of it, but that was the day because I, I, I still didn't have at that point the value and worth, but what I knew is that if I stay in this, he's going to kill me. Um, and so, yeah, so there began a, a, a journey out of that. I mean, it was not a very nice journey, but I, there's something just turned in my body and just, no, I'm going to fight for my life. I'm going to fight for my kids. Wow. Four years later, I was out of there. So it took you four years to fully get out of that situation past that point. Wow. But it's amazing because four represents foundation. Wow. So it took you four years to lay a new foundation. And then five represents belief for you to really step into the belief that you can do this solo. Uh I always say life is mathematics and everything leaves a pattern. Many of us don't have the awareness or the tools to go back and look at the signs we've always been given. Look at the support we've always divinely had. Four years is a long time to get out of a situation. But four years isn't a long time if you're laying a solid foundation to build something new on. Perspective. As you were speaking, I picked a stick because my heart went, oh. Anna, for the sake of the room, how many children do you have? Five. Five. In that moment, based on what she was experiencing, she was prepared to leave behind five children. Five children. Can I just tell you something? Because I had a conversation with my daughter about this. It's not something that we spoke about for years and going through Elevate has given me the space to talk about these things. And the one thing she said to me, she says, I'm not angry with you, mom. I'm not even hurt by what you tried to do. The horrible thing that she said was that you were going to leave me with him. Um, because I knew why you were, why you did that. Hmm. Wow. Oh, wow. Anna, honestly, for what you're doing right now, it's very brave. Yeah. 
and I just want to commend you. I am clapping for you. I am screaming for you. Anybody in the audience, if you've got any questions, please do raise your hand or you can ask in the comment box. But I picked a stick while you was talking and I laughed because the stick was ox for help. Imagine. The stick actually says ox for help. And what I find so interesting about what your daughter said is sometimes we stay in things way longer because they're not a good man, but they're a great dad. Do you understand? They're not a good person, but they're a great provider. They're not a good person, but oh, they give me good nookie. They're not a great person, but oh, they pay my bills. And you know what's so crazy and dangerous about those situations is the first part. They're not good. And everything inside of you says no. But how often do we take the courage to say, yes, I'm choosing me. Anna, thank you so much, so, 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 so much for that incredible share. And, and what I personally think is so beautiful is we, we don't often know where some of our things come from. We just land in a situation and we don't understand how we got there. We don't understand the thinking that brought us to the situation. We don't understand the beliefs that got us to the situation. So to hear your actual beliefs that allowed you to be in that circumstance, I think that's powerful for many people in the room. Many of us don't believe we deserve anything better than what we've got. We don't believe we're worth anything more than what we've already created. And I just want to tell everybody on the other side of what you currently believe, <laughs> if only you know what's there. If only you dared to dream, if only you dared to see your life in a different space, what can be created? And there was one thing that I just heard when you were speaking. You normally think, but in that moment where you took those, say, 300, 200, 100 tablets, you said you didn't think. Is that why prior to Elevate, you may have been scared to allow yourself to feel because thinking's felt safer to you? Yeah, because I've always been four or five steps ahead. I'm having to think, I was having to think four or five steps ahead of him all the time so I could put myself in a position where if he came home, he wasn't aiming straight for me. I would I would have to think on my feet in any situation because I knew from the tone of his voice on the phone that, yes, when he comes back, I'm going to get it. I knew. So I had to think. So feeling wasn't even a... It wasn't because there was always a feeling of fear. So that was always present. So to think my way out of getting in his way when he got home that's why I think that's why I always thought wow and when you come into any of my rooms any of my spaces I'm always inviting people to step out of this thinking I talk a lot about us being elements and living in four bodies not one and a lot of us don't have a relationship with any of our bodies let alone one we might have a relationship with our physical body, how it looks, but a real relationship with it, nah. A relationship with our mind, nah. A relationship with our emotions, nah. Some of us would say we have a relationship with our spirit because we go to church or the synagogue or the, the mosque. 
mm-mm. I want to know, can you really feel yourself? Can your spirit guide you? Do you know when your spirit is telling you? That's the kind of you bodies. But one thing I teach is that we often naturally operate out of one of our bodies more than the other. That's our guidance. We lean into it. But somewhere in life where we go into survival mode or trauma has affected us, we skip, we go into another body to protect ourselves. So many of us might naturally be feelers. Many of us might naturally be able to um, go with the flow of life. But then somewhere we get hurt. We've been following our heart forever. We've been living free. And then the minute that we give our heart to somewhere, we get hurt. So now we go, we can't trust our heart. We've got to think, we've got to think, we've got to think. And then we operate in another body that doesn't really serve us, we're acting out of source, we're acting out of protection. And Anna just gave a perfect example. When we teach ourselves that one of these bodies isn't safe, we move to the other one and we stay there. And a lot of the time, by the time people get into my rooms, I'm like, that's not who you really are. What happened before that? I wanna know what happened that got you there. I wanna know what happened that you stopped trusting yourself. I wanna know what happened that you stopped trusting life. And this is how we untap and this is how we uncover and this is how we pull back the layers. Many of us are walking around in cloaks that we don't even know they're on us anymore and they're heavy. And as we awaken, people with awakened eyes can see things that you never have to say you're going through. We see it on your face. We see it in your aura. We see it in your spirit. We see it in your walking. No makeup, no, no weave, no pretty clothes, no nice suit, no nothing covers up your aura. So we've got to start to uncover our truth. Thank you so much, Anna. Miss Julie, tell us about your control. My control? Oh, I just want to say to Anna, I was, that's breaking my heart. That really, really was. You're phenomenal, Anna. Absolutely phenomenal. And you did it. Well done. I salute you, Queen. I salute you. I love that. And also, actually, just before we move on, sorry, Julie, thank you for that. Anna, there was a point in Elevate where this part of yourself showed its head and you didn't want to face it. You didn't want to go back to talking about that part of your story. Hmm. And you had blamed yourself. There was a lot of guilt around it. Yes. Guilt that you wasn't fully aware of. Yes. Yeah. Because nobody ever spoke about it. They just, they didn't want to bring it up. They didn't want to speak about it and... It was, it was hush-hush. It's been hush-hush since 2004. Nobody spoke about it. Nobody's, nobody in the family has ever spoken to me about it, but I've had that. I've kept it in my stomach since then. It's been heavy. It's been so, so heavy. It's just, it's felt like a, like a ball and chain. And, and through coming to elevate it, 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 it surfaced it surfaced to the point where I was able to go and speak to all of my children individually about that and to ask for forgiveness um, and the 
bad part of that is that none of them felt like they had to do it. I love that because I want to walk the room. How much stuff in your family stirs in your belly, stirs in your chest, but everybody keeps it hush hush and nobody wants to talk about it. But it's dictating your actions. It's limiting you from living fully. It's limiting you from stepping into your truth. It's limiting you from being in your power because once it's in the dark, guess what guys? It's got more power over you than you would like to know. And so we have to bring stuff to the light. What these queens are doing on these Wednesdays, I just want y'all to know it's courageous beyond courageous. It's bold beyond bold to come to a stage and say, I almost killed myself. How much of us have the courage to do that? How much of us feel free by saying, look, I was in a relationship for 17 years. That was not good for me. Many of us sit with these pains, sit with these truths, sit with these levels of dysfunction and turmoil and conflict. And we'll never bring it to the forefront and we'll hope that it goes to the grave with us. But it's caused damage, it's causing damage, it's dictating every single one of our relationships, it's having an effect on every single thing that we do. But we'll just hope that it goes away. Please don't let that be you. Please don't let that be you. Miss Julie. Yes, ma'am. My control issues. Um, I was thinking about it, and I think my control issues started from a very, very young age, in as much as I didn't have any control over um, my environment and where I lived growing up. It was always full of people, people that I knew, people that I didn't know. It was always full of people playing dominoes until the early hours of the morning when I had to go to school. And I always felt, you know, why don't they go home? Don't they got, you know, don't they live anywhere? Don't they know I've got to go to school? And and I felt helpless being a child, obviously, in my parents' home, not being able to say to them to go home or to go away or to get out of our house. Um, so from a very young age when I could control so much my environment, but at least control myself, that's exactly what I did. Um, in as much as into my teenage years, you know, I would, I'd want to control literally, you know, my, my flat or my house had to be a certain way, my clothes had to be folded, everything had to be ironed, you know, I'd like to look a certain way. Um, and do you know what? I'm only just realising this now. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that literally has been with me for majority of my life up until about maybe when you say four months ago. Because to be honest, about a year ago, maybe even longer, I stopped having so, so much control, as in OCD control, because my children always used to say to me, well, you've got OCD. No, they couldn't go to bed unless all their toys were put away and my front room was tidy and all the dishes were washed and everything was clean. Nobody could move, nobody could go to bed and go to sleep. It all had to be done, it all had to be tidy, it all had to be in its place. 
yep, during the daytime, fair enough, there's a bit of mess and they'd be playing and whatever, but when it was time to go to bed, my house had to be spotless. So in the morning, I'd get up and it would be as if it's not been touched. Um, and that's how everything in my life had to be, really. My finances, I took control of, you know, as I said, what I, how I looked, where, where I chose to work and why I chose to work there. It's all, it all was me being in control, stemming from the fact that I had no control when I was younger, you know, down to me falling in love at a very young age, you know, wanting to be in control of that, and then I wasn't. So when I couldn't be in control of it, I, I ran away. I hightailed it out there as quick as my little legs could carry me. Oh, God, guys. I mean, I think you guys are coming for me. I'm about to leave my house a mess. I'm about to say the cushions can be left without being puffed up. Even Anna, she came to my house not so long ago. You know, normally when people go, they just leave. Mm -mm. She puffed up all this sofas before she went. <laughs> it's wherever you go. But one thing that I am picking up, and also uh, a question was asked, would you two say from your personal perspective as well, it's, it also stems from a little bit of fear of judgment. We'd be perfect because we're scared to be judged as anything other. Um, in, my, in my case, I've, I actually got a lot of my control from watching my mum in as much as she was always neat and tidy. She always had to look a certain way. She was always a certain way. It, it was just her way, and I definitely have adopted that. I definitely have got that from from my mum. You know, you know, you had the plastic running in the hallway where you weren't allowed to step on it, and you had the girl. The front room pristine. The the, the, the front room that all now we ain't allowed in. You know, but also they came from an era where they had to present a certain way. So do you know, like now, I almost get frustrated because we don't understand the programming. We will say to our sons that have afros and want to leave it a certain way that it must be combed and it must be kept clean and tidy because we don't even understand the programming that we've had. Yeah. Do you understand? Other yes. cultures can have their hair messy, cool. Do you understand? We can't have that. Our sons must look a certain way. They must walk a certain way. They must, you know... When I started going to meetings at the school, I used to tell myself, oh, they think I'm going to just be some young black mum that don't know nothing. So I would wear these suits and these, sh you know what? After a while, I was like, what are you doing, Tanya? Nah, I'm pulling up in a, in a tracksuit. Do you want to know why? Because whether I'm dressed in a tracksuit, a suit, whatever, it doesn't define what's going to come out of my mouth. It doesn't define why I'm here, but we don't even understand the programming anymore. And I think that, for a lot of us, our, our grandparents, your parents came from an era where they had to present their best self. It didn't mean they were being their best self. It didn't mean that they were living their best life, but they had to present their best self. And subconsciously, we've picked a lot of that up. Yeah. Yeah, I know I definitely have them. Um, a lot of the, the habits that I have, I've definitely got also from my mum because my dad wasn't around that much. He was always playing dominoes or out and about. So it was me and mum. And being the youngest, you know, I had her to myself quite a lot. And yeah, most of the, the habits I've got are from her. Definitely the control and the OCD that shadows it out. Love that. Miss Anna? Yeah, from because um, 
I was married to, the guy that I was married to was a drug trafficker. And so he, we were in the criminal world, basically. Um, so there had to be this, for him, it was about status because he was, he felt like he was a celebrity. And so everything had to be, um, everything had to look good. The kids had to look good. They had to be dressed in the, the, the best clothes, the best shoes, with dress, uh, the best cars. That was my life. And so it was always about putting on a show. And because he had control over that, it was like, look what I've got. And so going out of the house, it was like, it was like, it was like a pantomime. That's how it was. It was like all going out to school so that he could look good. That's how our life was. So, so when I came out of that relationship, I went into my wardrobe and took every single bit of designer clothes, shoes, bags, and got rid of it. Because that was part of, uh, look at, look at us, look how we are. And so coming out of that as well, it's, it's like, I, even though I got rid of the clothes, the shoes, I was still, it was still this, I had, it still felt like I were on me because I'd lived like that for such a long time. So people were judging me even whether I had that on or whether I didn't because I still held that behaviour within me. Um, and so keeping a straight house, having a nice car, all these things were, it, it, was, it was still part of my part of the way that I lived and I didn't realise that um, because that turned into then OCD um, and that if, if that didn't look right people were looking at me like I wasn't doing very well or I was a failure and, and, and that came from that came from living a life like that um, so the judgement definitely definitely was um, if it didn't look a certain way then you were beneath that basically wow um, I love it. And the reason why I say I love it and people always think, why does she say that? Because I just love the the links that you can find, the patterns that you can find um, and how they map out from life to life, family to family, thing to thing. And so we can discover them and rediscover them and, and figure out ways to step outside of them. Um, one thing we're having a lot of people in the audience say it was called Keeping Up With The Jones. It was um, you know, like our parents, it was their way of feeling good, dressing up, making the house look tidy, making everything look like it had a place. They were living in tough times. Um, and that's how they allowed themselves to feel good. We've got a question though, and it asks, in those seasons in you two's life, where was you seeking guidance from? Love that. Miss Anna. Ooh, um, I wasn't getting guidance from anywhere. Um, I didn't have a father at home. Um, my mum 
wasn't edu- well, she she wasn't an educated woman she was just getting by by herself she was bringing up um, children on her own she was a single parent so she was just about we were just about living above the breadline we didn't I, 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 I it's gonna sound really strange but I didn't actually realize there was a world out there and that I was part of it I I was just living day by day trying to just figure it out because nobody was investing in me or nurturing me or holding my hand and saying this is what you need to do that's what you do look at this look how that works think this way I didn't have anybody guiding me on my journey in my life I was just figuring it out okay I remember looking at my mum and realising that I did not want to be like her. I did not want to live that way. So maybe that was my guidance in life, not to be like that. I love that. So now, talking about the other similarity that you two both found, it was with your daughters. Tell us. (laughs) Daughters. Well, I have three children, one boy and two girls. My girls are both, my son's the eldest. Um, Both of my girls have, um, when I say mental health issues, um, nowadays that encompasses, that's a huge umbrella that they use, but they do definitely have issues with coping with, with life and they've had them from quite a young age. If I'm blatantly honest these really only surfaced after I got divorced um so the divorce had an effect on them to the extent where it has affected them mentally I again I'm as you say the title of the room I was unaware of this for a long time because they were quite young when um, I got divorced and moved away. Um, but they they both exhibit traits. I mean, Amber, bless her, she's very, very insular, very quiet, very subdued, very withdrawn. Um, and Leah tends to be the complete opposite, very um, extrovert, very screaming, shouting, crying, weeping, wailing and moaning. Um, she has had counselling and, and seen quite a few people that she may have bipolar. Amber has never really been diagnosed, but again, she's also had counselling, but she's never really been diagnosed as as in with a, a, a label, let's say. Um, but she does have issues, and Anna and I both have, have girls who, who, are, who are struggling, who, who really do need help. Um, I'm... My voice is cracking up now, isn't it? Um, it's been a journey with, with my girls in as much as one of them has tried to commit suicide. Uh, that was, that's Aaliyah, my middle daughter. And she's the one that tends to be very, her emotions are literally, they're all out in the open and you can feel her energy all the time. She, she struggles quite a lot. As I said, Amber is very, very insular to the point where she was the one I was speaking about on Friday in M Clubhouse. 
where I can be in the house with Amber all day, every day, all year, and still not be able to to from her to dig and dig and dig and find out, you know, if she's okay, if she's all right, because she'll just have this, this around her that says, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, and, and she's not, um, she's had episodes of self-harming, um, alcohol abuse, um, and all stems, I think, it, well, it, I don't think, I know it all started, I know now it all started from after the divorce and not having their dad around. Wow. And, you know, it's very interesting because um, last week we heard it from the girls themselves, how they've struggled and what it looks like to them. So as a mother... I really want to know how it makes you feel and how you're finding help if you're finding help and if you think that you can assist them. But before you answer, I just want to refresh the room for anybody in the room. We're here shaking the room with two queens who are literally just speaking on their lives, their journeys, their experience through Elevate so far. Elevate is a space that I hold people accountable into growing. Um, I took a journey by myself many, many years ago where I just decided that I wanted more. I decided that I wanted to live the life that I wanted to live. And I just thought it was going to be as easy as me just walking out there and living this life. And in one aspect, it was. And in another aspect, uh-oh, it's not been that at all. I've had to uncover some things. I've had to figure out why I think the way that I think, why I move the way that I move, um, what has got me to this point, why my life looks like this. I've had to have uncomfortable conversations. I've had to have uncomfortable awakenings. I've had to have um, masses of healing and revealing things that I didn't even know I was carrying, things I didn't even know mattered, things I didn't even know I thought have all come to the surface. But it's a journey of setting yourself free as much as it's a journey of stepping into everything you want and knowing that was possible is way beyond what you could possibly believe. So these two queens are sharing their experiences so far. And today we've been touching on the topics of control. And um, now we're starting to speak about mental health and these two queens journey with their daughters. So that's where we are. You're welcome to come to the stage at any point and ask any questions or use the arrow at the bottom of your screens to send questions and we will get them answered for you. So Miss Julie, from a mother's point of view, how do you feel? I feel helpless. I feel guilt um i feel that you know what more can i do i'm always searching for and asking myself what else can i do how can i help where can i go how can i assist them mm. i want them to be well i want them to lead healthy and happy lives how can i how can i achieve this for them without living their lives. And maybe that's the question right there. It's not for you to achieve it for them. And that's why this morning when we was talking about the story in the Bible where Abraham had to sacrifice his child, um, God said, you need to sacrifice your child, right? 
And then he was promised riches and abundance. And it was Abraham's obedience that he was willing to sacrifice his child that by the time he went to take his child to God, God said, no, I'll spare your child. You can sacrifice, I think it was a lamb or something else instead. And he was still blessed with the, the abundance for generations. He had generations of abundance. And for the first time this morning, I heard that story so different. I think that sometimes we hear those stories and we hear them literally like, oh my God, could you imagine God saying your child has to be killed? Like, would you really do that? Mm -mm. What about if it's asking us to metaphysically sacrifice our children? Are we willing to let go, surrender everything that we, that we think about our children, that we think their life should look like, that we think the freedom they desire or should live or whatever looks like? Can we really sacrifice that so that they can live the life that's their creator's will? Again, could it be your control kicking in that is showing up in them that actually says, I can't control anything. Um, that's, that's funny you say that because I was, I was mulling over that part of the controlness in my daughter's life. Um, she was six years old. Um, and she went to a play scheme and they were doing sports day. She went to do long jumps and landed on her knee and split her thigh in half and ended up in hospital for 10 weeks. That was a really traumatic event for, for me and her. Um, and to see her in pain like that was just incredible. Just incredible for a little, little body like that to take that much pain was just... And while she was in hospital, she gained a friend, an invisible friend. And they say that some, this, uh, some conditions are born out of a traumatic event. But this little friend that she had was, um, was a playful friend and for a long period of time. I didn't know this, I only found this out later on in life. Um, the, the, the friend was a happy friend, uh, somebody that she could have comfort with. But when she got into a, a teen years, the voice then started to start saying negative things to her. Unbeknownst um, to me, just like Julie was saying, she brought a family meeting together when she was about 15 and sat at the table with my other children and went on to tell me that she's been diagnosed with psychosis. Where was I? What on earth? Why hadn't I seen that? And what came to light is the reason why that she went to the doctors to sort this because she found herself on top of a bridge ready to jump off at the age of 12. Um, she took herself off to the doctors herself to deal with this. Um, but things were just getting to a point where she couldn't control it anymore. Um, spoke out and wanted help. So after being diagnosed, she went on medication and then for the next four years, uh, in and out of A&E, &E, um, phone calls to work, um, um, 
many attempts on her life, um, sleeping with her phone underneath my bed, um, just called out of work, waking up in the middle of the night, being took out of my house for four years. I, that was that's the way that I lived with her. And so for me, I had to have some control over that. realization that I've been trying to control a situation that's out of my control on a level of normality as much as I can because if she went into an episode that's going to impact me and I have realization that it's actually inconvenienced me on many many occasions um so i try to control that situation in terms of trying to monitor her there's things going on i can see when she's buying stuff i can see when she's in different groups if i don't see her visible if i don't see her doing things for at least two days i have to go in because i know if i don't capture that her mood then a day can turn into two weeks of trying to bring her back to some normality. So I try to control that situation by monitoring her. But I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting God with her life because I'm trying to control that situation. So when, so when you said that, that's what I was mulling over today about the control again, my control over something that I actually can't control. <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing because if you've been in the room over the last two weeks you've had these conversations from two different dynamics and um luckily I don't believe maybe I shouldn't use the word luckily but I don't believe that Shanice or Kirsty who spoke last week have experienced psychosis or had psychotic episodes you guys would have to tell me if you have but I have a sister who has the same experience, I'm sure mum will speak about in a second. Um, But one thing I would say to you guys and to the world, I don't think we know enough about mental health. I don't think it's mental health at all, especially what I see in psychosis. I believe that these people experience such a high level of awakening that the voice that they hear, they don't recognize it. And so they're scared of it. But it can be the highest voice of their self, hence the happy friend, the friend that makes them feel like life is amazing. And for some of them, it can be birds, it can be a voice, it can be a person. Like if you've ever had the blessing of being around people going through these things, it's absolutely incredible. Scary, very scary, but incredible if if you know who your protector is. As much as they hear the voice that comes from the pit of them, like the pit of darkness, And I feel sometimes the difference between them and us is balance. And so we're trained to give them medication because it will just 
numb the voice, it will silence it. But what about if they learnt to understand it? What about if they learnt not to fear it? What about if they learnt to recognise it? This world has a way of teaching us control. And what it teaches us is we must control anything we don't understand. We must control anything we don't understand. It's a programming. They control us by what they show us. And the powers that are, that the real power, that can't be controlled. It can barely be understood. We don't understand this God energy, this creator, this divine. We don't really understand it because we can't see it under a microscope. Most things that people know about this is what they've been told. Most things people know about what they know about life is what they've been told. And that's why when you come into my rooms, I say to you certain times, I don't want to know what you've learned in a book. Tell me about what's within you. Tell me about what you know for yourself. Tell me what you know about what's coming out of you. And so we're talking about this journey between you guys and your children and not been able to control this mental battle which they've been facing. And I know what it's like, the kind of help we would have loved to have for our sister. There wasn't anyone there. The professional institutions that she was in and out of, in and out of, in and out of, didn't help a lot of the time. They didn't really understand it because guess what? The way their personalities can flip so quick, she just put on a different personality in front of them. And guess what they would say? She's fine. And crazy enough, that's another thing about mental health. Many people are suffering with it around us all of the time, but because they say they're fine, we don't use our intuition to identify. No, they're not. We sleep on it. And then maybe when we wake up to it, we try to control it. But is it for us to control? Miss Tina, welcome to the stage. Grand evening. How are you? I'm, I'm great. This conversation is um, stirring up. It's shaking a lot of the room in me. Um, I want to acknowledge you both because it's a very brave thing that you're doing, like last week, continuing from Kirsty and Shanice's conversation and addressing things. And, you know, a lot of the time, as a people, we're told and we were brought up keep your business to yourself why are you sharing it and we kind of have that programming unconsciously so I just really acknowledge you both you know having that courage to stand up and express your truth and speak your story um it's interesting all of it like when Tanya exposed me and said about the OCD and she said like my mum I was like Tanya be quiet did I tell you to say anything about that and it's so funny because I was in one of my early relationships was somebody that constantly told me, left post-it notes and constantly told me about how messy I am and how dirty I am and how filthy I am. And 
I actually believed it. And yeah, just, you know, so much levels of like being a mum so young and that nobody giving you a manual or telling you how to do that, right? And then you're, I'll speak from where I was then, coping, <laughs> learning how to navigate yourself that you don't even fully understand or know, let alone know how to love or what you desire or need. And then there's a baby that is crying and requires you and needs you and whatever. And then there's a relationship where your body's changed, your thinking's changed, and the relationship has changed. Yeah, for both of you, for both of you, because you're both young and you're both attempting to find yourself and you're going through a lot. The template that you had from your parents, as Anna said, it's like neither of us had a good reference point in that way. So we're attempting to make it up, attempting to find a way through and well, control comes in and because I don't listen to nobody or nothing, it's kind of like I need to be controlled and then my mouth doesn't stop and, you know, one thing leads to another and then you're experiencing domestic violence. So when you both were sharing your story, um, Anna, yours about domestic violence, I really had a, my heart beating fast. I, I was just so happy that my mum actually um, lived to see me walk out of that one because she was so sure that I wasn't going to get out of it alive at one point. And the kind of way that I dealt with it at the time, it was my secret, not even my friends or family or, or close people actually really knew what I was going through because I'd just cover it up. I'd say, oh no, I fell. Oh no, this happened. Or it was like, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, it just was like my secret that not many people knew about. It was me enduring things and me trying to make sense out of it. Um, a big part of me didn't believe that I deserved it because I wasn't good enough. I was messy. I was untidy. I wasn't doing the right thing. And I shared before in one of the rooms how one of the meals, what I served was a piece of toast with one sausage and or one fish finger, something really silly. There's a picture of it. But I was very young and I, I, I weren't like my mum. I didn't have that tenacity and that strength and that she could just do everything. I didn't have that. And yeah, it is a big part of yourself that you actually kind of say, oh, I deserved it, okay. And you know, the, the sorry and the, it won't happen again that both of us was very good at convincing each other. You just, you just continue in a loop. So yeah, when you um, shared that, Anna, I was so glad because my mum was really like, you need to get out of this one day, you're going to end up dead, you know, it might be by accident and whatever, because my mum actually loved both of us and she didn't um, love us both together, but she really wanted us to walk out of that and create something. So I was really grateful to, to, to see that I had the courage to walk out of that. And like you, Anna, at one point when I was in it and something so trivial now that um, I was aware of the cheating. I was aware of things was going on because I was a spiritual woman 
and things <laughs> things come to me even when I don't want to know them they come to me right so I was made aware of a, a situation where I was being cheated on and my child was nine months old it was the first Christmas that I would have ever spent with her and like you Anna I decided oh enough I can't I really can't take anymore I can't even think why at, at that time now when I think back but um I um took some tablets and I was just slowly popping them one by one just water and tablets and then my baby girl walked for the first time she walks over to me and and um I'm still here because of her so yeah, when I was hearing you saying that, it, you know, it's like, I didn't even have a thought in my head about my daughter. I didn't even have a thought about what would happen to her or anything, I just wanted out. So I could really relate to, to a lot of the conversation that you guys are speaking about. And then when I did come out of that relationship, I did have this this has got to be tidy and that's got to be tidy. And, you know, I, I came out with that because I just felt like I weren't good enough and I couldn't control it. I was messy and, you know, I just had that program running for a while of making sure that the children put this there and do that and do whatever. So it's interesting to hear that aspect. The other thing is, um, when you spoke about the relationship, the marriage or the divorce kept coming out of it. Um, Anna spoke about that as well. And it's the impact that it has on the children. And how do you deal with that? Because sometimes, right, it's like, you've got to save yourself. So in order to save yourself, you're not really thinking about, I'm going to get out of this and how will I deal with it? You just want to get out of it. And half of it, as the room says, we're asleep. There's so much of us that is dead. So we're just in coping mechanism, survival mode. We don't even really understand. We're not, we're not like Anna said in that relationship where she had to think ahead. I had to think ahead so much times that if I, oh God, if, if I know my tone was out, or if I, I was always constantly attempting not to be on the other end of that argument that just seems to happen. You know, if I could have kept it, away I would have but um when you not spoke about the children's mental health and, and you know Julie you said clearly there is even though they may not be labeled but you can see it in behavior so forth and I know in Elevate we learn about mental body and our mental health is our thinking and I think that the children develop a way to cope through what they are seeing and what they are making sense of. And they develop a mechanism naturally to cope with that. So like now when Anna's done the work to go back to her children, they're like, maybe what Anna thought because it wasn't spoken about, is not as bad or the children were okay. And Julie, maybe because you were very, not addressing anything, so to speak, just in your little bubble, when you come out of it and um you know like one day I, I was blessed to witness the conversation between you and Aaliyah and just you speaking and in that communication a lot of her being heard her feelings been 
you know what I mean? So I think sometimes there's, there is healing conversations that could help the children or the young people that are going through the breakups because they actually go through it with us. And um, I would say with Claudine and Tanya and Kamisha, the older three, when I went finished their relationship with their dad, there was a period of no talk, no talking, no conversation. Yeah, allowed through the door. Da, 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 da. And then afterwards, there was a way made for like we, we were able to communicate through some of the stuff. And I had to really, really make it clear for myself that what I went through, that was me and him, that wasn't him and them. So I had to really make sure that I weren't just making a decision based on me being spiteful or me being hurt or because of what I went through. I had to really make a clear understanding for myself that there is a relationship between him and me and there is a relationship between them and him so I had to kind of differentiate through that but with my second relationship and after I put myself all back together and went back in that relationship boat man oh god second it happened again because obviously now you know when you look back in hindsight it's always it's always better I, I, I weren't repaired. I hadn't done no work. I just went back in thinking because I had a gap that, uh, yeah, I'm good. I weren't, there weren't no good, nothing good about me. I was still broken in lots of tiny pieces. So that situation now, that breakup, that second breakup, it took a part, a big part of me with it. So I had something that, you know, is called a breakdown and girl, I broke into a million pieces. I don't even know how much pieces. And I, I was smiling thinking about that because Tanya couldn't actually tell the doctors if I was actually having a mental breakdown or if it was my normal behaviour because both of my behaviours are quite close. So at one point she had to tell the doctor, this is normal for our mum. She always, she always acts like this. So, you know, it, it was hard to tell whether... For a long time, Claudine and Tanya was going, Mum, okay, now, come on, stop it, you know, behave, like, because they were used to certain behaviours from me, but I think um, Tanya would have to explain, but there was a thin line between, okay, she really has, is having a breakdown, or this is just Mum acting up, because, you know, I, I can be a whole heap of dramatic at times. So, yeah, my, my children, all three of them, have impacted through the big breakup of the relationship, through the separation, through the whatever happened in that relationship. But my second daughter, so actually my fifth child, so I, I, I kind of separate them in the older half and the second half. So the second daughter in the second half, she basically um, yeah, has sarcosis. And like Tanya said, I think it's her way of coping or her way of um, yeah, dealing with, like Anna said, um, the traumaticness of she always wanted mum and dad to make it and, you know, she wanted when she went to school and it was like everybody's got mum and dad and I want mum and dad. It, it seemed like it was just such a simple thing, but it was everything to her. And we have seen her go through hell 
through absolute hell and back. And like you, Anna, for ages, I was attempting to control everything. I was attempting to control her, jumping out in front of cars, jumping off bridges, like you said. Just the pain of, of, of seeing her, like when, when they're coming for her and there's 13 of them and the way that she's fighting and the way that they're fighting her and oh, just terrible. And um, I've, I'm recently I've just started to surrender it all and to just trust and to let it all go. Like Tani even asked me today, Mum, how is she? And I just trust that she's fine because like you before, if I didn't hear from her, if I didn't see from her, if I didn't, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, what the hell is happening and whatever. And you live a life where you can't sleep. You know, uh, the amount of times that people in the family, you know, the, the ones who live in the house with her, that our life has been a threat. It's not a comfortable situation to live with. So I just wanted to say and acknowledge you both for coming up and sharing your truths. And um, yeah, just just saying I've been through. Sound like you, you both are speaking parts of my story. So yeah, thank you. Um. Yes, thank you for sharing. I think that um, it's powerful knowing that really people can be strangers and be going through the same things. And I think a part of the space in, and actually sharing your truth allows you to connect with other people, allows you to find um, similarities and a bit of peace and ease to know you're not the only person going through that thing. You're not the only person that doesn't know what to do. You're not the only person that requires help. I've picked a stick quite a few times in this room and literally the stick keeps saying ask for help. And I think that Sometimes our level of control and some of the stuff that we go through with our children, we really don't feel like we can ask for help. And I just want to encourage everybody in the room that regardless to what you're going through, what it looks like, please get help, get counsel, get guidance, get assistance. Um, it's very interesting to hear all three of your stories and hear Maybe psychosis is linked to relationships breaking down. I know that it's linked to trauma, but maybe there's a part in people that, again, wants to control parts of life, and because they can't, they kind of tap out. They tap out of wanting to control, so they live between almost fairyland, and they live with this deep level of resentment, this deep level of hate, this deep level of not wanting to accept life for what it is. Our minds are so powerful. And so maybe a part of us supporting them and helping them is allowing them to come into acceptance, allowing them to come into peace. And that in itself can be a challenge, really can be a challenge. But maybe that's a part of the assignment. Maybe that's really a part of the assignment. This has been a very hot, honest, open and transparent conversation. And if there's any questions from anybody in the room, please do come to the stage, raise your hand or go in my um, tap on that arrow to ask us. 
But for any of the queens on the stage, is there anything that you would want to say? We did get asked a question earlier and it said, how does it feel for you guys now stepping out of your comfort zones? Is it scary? It's scary, but it's also exciting. It's it's a mixture of of, of both of them actually. Um, scary because you just don't know what to expect, what's going to happen. And I've got to a a space now where I don't even think about it. I don't even question. I just step into it. And the excitement is, you know, what's going to be revealed? What's what cloak's going to come off next? And how much more of me is there to get to know and it's it's probably going to be for a lifetime probably it's going to be for a lifetime but can I just add I wanted to add in giving the story about my children my girls and the divorce the bit that I didn't add in and when Tina was talking it just came to me is that their father a lot of the issues that my girls have my son had it as well but he's managed to deal with his in a completely different way to them is the fact that he was quite, he was not quite, he was very bitter and bitter to the extent where he would be forever, whenever he saw them, feeding negative things into them. Um, he wasn't very complimentary towards them. He was forever saying nasty things about me. Um, and this is young children I'm talking about. So, and they may have been six and they're a bit older. Um, and so they, they had that, that, that raging in them that, it's their dad and they don't see him but then when they do see him they they came back upset and distraught so i was forever having to mop up the hurt or forever having to mop up all the negativity that he'd feed into them whenever he, they came back from being with him and at one stage i was seeing him once a week so that became very difficult and there was a decision that i had to make on as to whether they could still see their dad because I just thought it's not doing them any good. It's not doing them any good at all. You know, they're fine when they're here. As soon as they go and see their dad, they'll come back and, oh, he said this and he said that and, and he said really horrible things about you, mum. And, you know, and I told him earlier, would to stick up and, and say, don't say that about my mum. Whereas Amber, bless her, she's very quiet, as I said, and very reserved. You know, she wouldn't say anything. And, and that also has definitely contributed to how they are now and, and their mental state. They uh, both took to eating as a comfort um, to mask their hurt. I mean, it's funny, and they will tell me now how they used to have food and they'd hide them in the drawers, but they'd made sure that they'd throw them in the bin before because I'd go through the drawers and been putting away their clothes so that I wouldn't even know that they'd eaten biscuits and cakes and literally stuffed their faces at night when they're supposed to be in bed. And that also played on my mind for a long while because it was a decision that I had to make as to whether to allow them to still see their dad because Amber in particular she would do like Tina said like um, her daughter she she just wanted to have her mum and dad together she definitely up to this day most of her issues are to do with her dad and she just wants her dad to love her to want her to be with her to have an interest in her and he just doesn't well, he's not forthcoming with it. So, again, it's beyond my control. There's nothing I can do about that. I can't force him. I can't make him. And I have had discussions with my children, and I've said to them, you know, been open and honest with them about how they feel, how they feel about their dad, how I felt, 
and we've, we've all sat down on more than one occasion and say what you feel, say what you think. And with my girls in particular, the issue always comes back to their dad. And his relationship with them is very volatile. It's only now that she's in her mid-twenties that it's calmed down a bit, but to the extent where she's not taken an inch, a bar from him. If he said something to her that she didn't like, she was literally on him like a rash. She slammed the phone down on him. She's told him about his this and his that and London side and his other side. And she's literally, she tears into him. It's such a vengeance sometimes. I just think, ooh. But again, as I said, it's the, the relationship she has with him. Whereas Amber, again, is very reticent, very quiet. But it's definitely, that's definitely had an effect on their mental health, being around their dad. And I made the decision to allow them to go until they got to an age where they, I would say, do you want to go? Um, whether that was right or wrong, it, it is. It was what it was at the time. I thought that it's their dad. He's asked to see them. Do they want to go? And each time, what, what's amazing, each time I'd say, do you want to go? They'd always say yes. And then they'd come back, as I said, and I'd have to undo and, you know, try and say, well, they'll say, well, mummy said this, he said that, he said this, he said that. And I'd have to try and unpick it and try and allay their fears and calm them down it, it was oh, I, I look back now and think oh my god how did i manage that but yeah i just did i just did what i had to do rightly or wrongly did what i had to do alice go on anna um first of all i was very nervous i actually ended up on the toilet after 5am this morning but then i had a bit of an excitement in my belly and because what I've realised is that we're walking testimonies and I understood, I understood from a very long time ago that I've had to go through what I've had to go through to help the next person. And so my prayer this morning was about sharing my stuff that, so that it can help somebody else. And because today, whether it's today or in a week or in a month or whatever, some of the conversations that we spoke about today will, will resonate with somebody else. Um, just like I've had conversations in the past where stuff has resonated with me moving on to the next step has helped me move along a little bit further. Um, because in the beginning, I didn't have anybody that I could turn to. So sometimes these conversations will land where they need to land. And so God is, I'm here because God made a way for me and I will share. I, I have no qualms about sharing anything about my life. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not ashamed about it because I'm here. I made it. I survived and I can live to tell the tale. If you met me, a lot of people meet me and I have no idea of the journey that I've got to today. Which just for me, it's God's way for me of saying, look what I did. Look what I can do. And so for me, even though the nervousness was to come on here, I think, oh my gosh, it wasn't about sharing my stuff, it was just about the fact that speaking out publicly, just, you know, in just in, in a space where I've not really been before, uh, but I will always share, always share my life and what I've been through um, to the next person. So thank you. Thank you for bringing us to this space. <laughs> I love um, that. Yeah. And honestly, thank you both. Um, I get a lot of 
thanks for the stuff that I do. But honestly, I always tell people it wouldn't be possible without people actually showing up, participating, doing the work, being a living testimony. And um, what I personally always tell people, my life changed when I had a conversation with a group of women. And the way that that conversation empowered me, the way that the conversation healed me, the way that the conversation undressed some things in me, I was like, I can never go back to living in my shit again. Because what I've pushed through, somebody else needs. What I've overcome, somebody else needs to know is possible. What I'm going through now, someone else needs to know they're not alone, you know? And so I really found the power in sharing. And I often use a status, which is like my life motto, be notes, take notes, but more importantly, share notes. I take notes from everyone and everything um, because I'm always willing to be a student. And again, I spoke about this the other day, when you share or you teach, you learn twice. So why would we not give ourselves that privilege? Before we wrap up the room, I honestly queen salute you guys. We don't practice these conversations. I almost went to write down questions before I came and I was like, mm -mm, that's not what God ever has me doing. He just allows me to go with the moment. And um, I found that when you both spoke in initially and you introduced yourself, you both said that Elevate has allowed you to reconnect with God. So I would just love for you guys to tell us what that journey's been like and what is this God? Who is this God? Why has or reconnecting with it been important or how is that energy and force working in your lives right now? Um, God for me, the creator is He's everything. He's everything, everywhere. The air I breathe, everything. And it, for me, I was unbalanced or unaligned. I wasn't in alignment. And reconnecting with God is allowing me to find that balance, is allowing me to realign. Um, I'm seeking growth, I'm seeking expansion. And I'm only going to find that in seeking God, in reconnecting with him. Life is just so much better. There isn't, to be honest, for me, there isn't a life if you haven't got God in your life. Full stop. Really is, is that simple. With him in your life, in control of your life, guiding you, which is what we originally were here, here for. That's just, that's the purpose. That's the whole purpose of being here. That's why I'm here. And it's just reconnecting back to source for me, the source of my energy, the source of my vitality, the source of my being. That's what Elevate is helping me to do. I think for me, I actually didn't realise that I wasn't connected to God, even though I was saved and I was living a Christian life uh, and, and going along the journey, I didn't realise that I was not I wasn't properly connected to him. And the reason why I know that now is because I didn't realise that I had daddy issues. Not having a dad has made my connection with God seem like over he's just over there because I didn't have any bond or relationship with my earthly father. So I found it very difficult to have a connection with my heavenly father because 
I've not had the love of a father. I, I, I couldn't trust God to love me how I needed to be loved because I've never felt that love. And it wasn't until Elevate, until a certain Miss Tina um, asked me a quality question, which I just put to one side like it was nothing. But then that just hit me in the back of my neck a few days after to the realisation that God is so wanting me to just fall into his arms. But I've just been kept keeping him at arm's length because I've not wanted to trust him. And, and so I'm going... I've had to retrace some steps and I'm in the middle of writing a letter to my earthly father to get a connection so I can get a connection back to God. God's made this journey for me. He's taken me along. It's step by step by step. He's making me, he's making me go through this process. And it's something that I prayed for. I didn't even realise I prayed for this because I was asking for, I just want, I, I want to have this I want to be close to you, God. I want to be more intimate with you, God. And the realisation that that's the prayer that I actually asked for. And so I am going through this process. So Elevate really brought that, you know, to into the light. And so it's I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited because I just get goosebumps just thinking about that now because I can feel, I can feel the pull. I can feel the changes that are happening. I can feel the beginning of a beautiful relationship and I'm just excited. I love it. I genuinely love it. And also my mum, who was one of the people that taught me the most about God, they came to an age where I realised I can't even lean into her faith because when I'm here, up in my Caniston Crescent, like, God, where you at, son? Because <laughs> mama's not here with it. So I had to find it for myself. And the more that I found it is the more that I realized, whoa, this really isn't outside of me. I am this God, this is me. Like what? Who is this person with these infinite powers? It's me. And so my discovery through rediscovering what God was, my judgments of Christians and, and their beliefs and this and that and all these judgments that I had, the judgments of how the book's been tampered with, all of this stuff that I believed, I had to question it. I had to go into it. I had to deep dive into it. I had to start to think, yes, I strongly believe religion controls people. So I don't call myself a religious person. I call myself a spiritual person. And I recognize that we all are gods, whether we believe it or not, as much as this energy is outside of us, it's within us. It's the one thing that connects us to everything. Um, and there came a place in Level Up where my mum was just in a place that the tools weren't shifting her out of, the group wasn't shifting her out of. And so I asked her, mum, what's your relationship like with God? And how did you feel, mum? Well, how dare you ask me that, you cheeky so <laughs> I was really shocked because I thought that, um, Tanya knows that I've got a relationship with God, but I had slipped into a needy relationship with God. I'd slipped into the God that when things were going right, I prayed to. When things was cool, I, I didn't really, you know, invite him into anything. So I was planning having all of these great stuff. Yeah, it's just me over here. And when she asked that question, I was like, wow. 
and um yeah since then we started waking up and doing family prayer um consistently before we start the five o'clock class which was once 5 15 it's now 5 a.m we would constantly um do a, a group family prayer i'm so grateful that it's it's growing because susan's a part of that family group prayer now and um yeah that that has just been a foundation and that i had lost my connection to and i'm just putting it back and I, and I wanted to say as well that i was in the audience and tanya was saying um if anybody can relate to anything to come up and I had that voice in my head, oh, they're going to say, here she goes again. She's always got something to say. There's always something. Who was the they that was going to say that? There was nobody here in my room with me. It's just me. So it was my own thoughts coming up like that again, because like I said this morning, first and foremost, our thoughts try to stop us. Um, a way that we've been programmed, you know, to fear things or, oh, God, I don't, I don't really want to speak about this. But there is just some thinking in us having these conversations there are probably some more people that are in the audience that have experienced some sort of either they've been the child that's come out of a relationship that their parents and they have felt some sort of brokenness and they are walking with that brokenness into relationships or they just never felt that they could speak about it you know they just felt like it was mum and dad got divorced and i'm the product of that divorce and Sometimes even mum and dad have passed and you're still kind of carrying stuff in that and, and you don't know what to do with it. So um, I would just say that Elevate is a space that can help you. And even if not Elevate, you know, Tanya is available for one-to-ones. Um, I would just say get it out of you, get that energy out of you because it doesn't serve you and it doesn't help. And I'm so grateful um, to be able to share because I know by me sharing that hopefully it will um encourage somebody that there is a way out and also the no judgment like that young little 19 year old of me that didn't value her life that because she felt she was being cheated on or whatever that it wasn't worth her being hearing I'm, I'm so far from that now but constantly I meet those young girls that have that pattern and I'm able to relate to it because I've been there done it I've had that feeling so um my life is so valuable to me now that, that I probably hold on hold on to it so tightly and, and scared of everything but at one point you know yeah that that little girl that was hurt and now had a baby and yeah just those feelings and and it, it's it's funny because there was also my best friend who is no longer here because she um submitted her life to oh, that feeling of not being able to cope and she committed suicide so um she isn't here yet um her child and her grandchildren they're still in that cycle of trauma so i'm so grateful that i stood i stood up and god has always been with me when 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 the times in my life it's me that walked away and wandered off and then I started crying and saying where are you and I need you and that footprint says look it's me carrying you they're, they're my footprints in the sand that's what God said they're not yours I'm carrying you through this 
So I'm grateful that um, I was able to be carried and I'm grateful now to be able to stand up in the, put my own footprints in the sand and hopefully help to carry others through. Because once you've walked it, you're equipped to deal with it. So yeah, thank you, Tanya, for the quality question of where was God? And yeah, definitely, I, I didn't even realize that I had fallen out, fallen out of a relationship with God because it was a relationship that I just took for granted until you asked me that question. And I'm so grateful to have him back in my life. Praise God. We've had some beautiful comments from the audience. People are saying big round of applause to everyone. They're hearing all of you all. Mothers showing strength in speaking their truth. We've got Mr. Gary saying these ladies are absolutely awesome. Another reminder that it will all be okay if we embrace positivity. Massive king salute from me. And I just want to say to you guys, I believe that conversations are healing. I believe that conversations are enlightening and um, we can all learn something from each other we can all be encouraged and empowered by each other and if you're in a difficult situation right now maybe it's just in your mind maybe it's in your life maybe it's in a current situation that you didn't feel you had the power to move through please be encouraged by this conversation and be encouraged to reach out and get support and help we've all been there we've all seen ourselves in situations that we never thought like this was going to be us, but it's been us. And one thing that I would say, especially even in listening to the result of how your children are responding to the traumatic relationships or um, the loss that they're experiencing, when we really rest assured that everything is how it's supposed to be, and I mean everything, everything is how it's supposed to be, and we can only do what we can do. We live in peace. Many of us don't give ourselves permission to live in peace because we are constantly trying to control the outcome. And that's never been our job. I personally believe that our role is to be our best now. And in any moment that we're not being our best, we just need to make the next best decision and the next best decision and the next best decision. I picked a stick through that conversation and of course, it had to be the stick that was inspired by my grandmothers. One day at a time. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we need. And sometimes that's the only reminder. My grand used to literally say, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. I just think the woman was crazy. You know, old Caribbean people, I don't know about other cultures, but they stay there talking to Jesus and thank you, Jesus, and this Jesus. Listen, I'm that old Caribbean woman. Thank you, God. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, God. Yes, God. Yes. Look at God. Won't he do it? <laughs> That's me. I want you guys to know that levels of these conversations are necessary. And many, many years ago, I was going to do a live. I did do the live. And as part of the live, I was addressing chapters of my story and how things have affected me. And as a result of that, characters were going to be revealed. That played a part in my story, scenes that played a part in me becoming who I am. And people were a little bit scared. They were intimidated. They didn't know what I was going to say, what I was going to talk about, who I was going to talk about, how it was going to map out. But to this day, I know it's been absolutely one of the most powerful things that I've ever done. 
And it was powerful because we spoke our truths. There's parts of your journey that you're scared to speak about. There's parts of your journey that will reveal some characters who are not the same character anymore. And that's cool, it's necessary. I don't want anybody to feel bad as a result of any of these conversations because honestly, at each part in all of our journeys, people are doing the best with what they have and what they can. One thing that I am gently reminded of through this conversation is hurt people hurt people. And sometimes we don't even know that we're hurting. We don't even know that parts of our stories have hurt us so much. And so we're just coping. We're just coping with the pain. We're just coping with life. We're just coping with the day, the circumstance, the child, the partner, the job. We're just coping. And I believe there's so much more to life than coping. But you've got to take step one. And that's to be honest and face your situation. Face your past. Face the things that you've been through. Face the things that you're going through. And ask yourself, what parts of that has made you you that you're happy with? And what parts of that have made you you that you've had to change and maybe you'll continue to? There's no chapter in any of our stories that we should be ashamed of. There's no chapter in any of our stories that we should feel guilty about. And the truth of the matter is, there are parts that we do. There are parts that we sometimes wish we could change, but guess what? You wouldn't be here to tell the tale if you did. You wouldn't be at this current season in your life if you changed that season. So are you willing to accept it for what it is? All of our parents, whether present or absent, were perfectly picked for us. Furthermore, we picked them. As much as we pick our circumstances. And I remember the first time that I started to hear those things, I was angry as hell. Why would I pick these circumstances? No, no, I didn't. Nope, I'm not believing that. No. But you know what? When I allowed it to sink in, when I allowed it to marinate, that's the same belief that gave me the power that I have now. If I had the power to pick what I was currently in and experiencing, yo, I've got the power to create what I want. And so do you. So do you. So I want to pray a track that I pray brings some healing up in here. I'm actually probably going to wrap up the room with a prayer because I know that a lot to surface today. And I also want everybody to know, listening to this, the way that energy works, some things might not surface today, but you might wake up in the morning feeling a bit off. You might wake up the day after that feeling a bit off. It's just a part of the process. Things are coming up. And if anything comes up, get out a pen and a paper. Write it out. Write it out. Allow yourself to reveal to you what you needed to address through this conversation. Because you might think right now nothing relates to you, but then you'll feel it and let it be. Let it be. And if you need any support, please do reach out because we are here. Like we're actually really here. We're not here because we're saying we're here. We're actually here. So again, Miss Julie, Miss Anna, Miss Tina, 
Queen Salute. This has been a powerful conversation. I mean, Shake the Room's getting very juicy. I, I really can't pick what my favorite day is because lately it's just boom, 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 diggity, boom, boom. And I think it's because we're all seriously been unapologetic. When it's becoming more into the season of knowing we've got nothing to lose. So we're going to give it all. Winning takes all of you. Creating the life that you want, it takes all of you. You don't get to pick, I'm going to show up when I feel good or when this season has passed. You just got to show up raw, period. Tanya? Yes, ma'am. I wanted to say to you that the way I love you, I don't say these words to you enough. I am so proud of you. I am so grateful for the spaces that you create. I'm so grateful that your disobedient ass is actually obedient at times. And, <laughs> you know, I just absolutely love you, yeah, from head to toe. And I am so, 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 so proud of what God allowed me to give birth to. I thank your father. I cannot thank him enough. And... I know sometimes these conversations can be difficult, but you know what, Tanya, me and him, we got through every piece of shit. And actually, I realized that I didn't even know my own worth. I didn't even value myself. I didn't, there's no blame in the conversation. There's just the fact that I didn't even know how to love me. I didn't even know what I wanted out of love. And in truth, a lot of us are just going through that reality of learning to love ourselves, which is the greatest love of all. Tanya, I thank you so much for teaching me that in many ways. Honestly, you're so welcome. I'm um, very blessed. I'm highly favoured. Seriously, I am so highly favoured. I have always known if I knew nothing at all, I've always known that I'm loved by my mum and my dad. They've done an incredible job. And I also know how much they didn't love themselves in many seasons in their life. I know how much they were surviving. I know how much they were coping. I know how much they were making ends meet. And so as a child, we often take on a lot of responsibility that we don't talk about. We just take it on because we've been observing some things so then we just make things easier as much as we can and we're not really equipped do you understand we're not really grown if you like but I chose to grow up young I used to look at my sisters sometimes and think y'all so damn stupid stupid asking stupid questions doing stupid things so I kind of just learned to really be a middle child the great thing about being a middle child is all their plans and dreams are put into the older one the younger ones normally a lot ruder and they're focusing on getting it right that the middle child skiddo <laughs> you can just get away with shit <laughs> and I learned very young I told you guys this to not only manipulate situations but really just not be there as much as I was there, you know? And we've all got different roles to play. All of you and your families have got different roles to play. And I say this to people in Elevate, Elevate a lot. When you're chosen, it's a difference. Many of you that are coming into these rooms and listening, it's because you've got something to do for your family and you know it. Maybe you're scared of it. Maybe you haven't fully accepted it yet, but I am telling you, you've got something to do because I know my tribe. 
And if me and my family can be of any assistance or any help or any support, then that's what we're going to do. That's who we've been called to be, whether we like it or not. And so, mum, I love you. In all of the books that I write, I thank my mum and dad so much because they gave me permission to be myself. And many of us don't live being ourselves. We live being everything and everyone else. But we don't be ourselves. I've learned to be myself. And sometimes it's hard. But I pray that each and every single one of you love being yourself. Yourself that was pure before the stuff happened. Yourself that's pure after the stuff happening. Yourself that's pure, period. Yourself that had intention and purpose way before you even came to earth. I pray that you get to know that self. Even today, I put out the call that my dance classes are coming back. And so many women just reached out and said, so much has happened in my life, Tanya. In two years, I've lost so many people. I, I can't cope. I've not been coping. I cannot wait to dance. I sat on the toilet and I said, yo, thank you, God. Yo, I'm just ready to shake my ass. But it's deeper than that. You don't get to just walk into my rooms and just be there. Uh-uh, any room you come into, whether it's dance, whether it's mindset, whether it's just my house, mm -mm, you get a different level of love. And I can only give that because I've been given that. I can only be this level of raw and honest because this is who my parents are. And so, like I said, I don't, I don't care what they've been through. There was a time in my life I was mad at my mum. Oh, my Jesus. I used to pray. I used to pray to God, please, please. God, do I not like her? God, what is this? The same there was a time where I was like, mum's done a great job at like letting us accept daddy, but I don't like him. And I've had to go through the motions. Many of you are scared to go through the motions because your parents are old now. So you're just scared. So you just want to love them. But it doesn't mean you haven't not liked them for a season. It doesn't mean that they haven't hurt you. It doesn't mean that you ain't got some stuff to forgive them about. Maybe they're poor, so you won't do it. But I'm telling you, do it. Because it weighs heavy on you otherwise. It stops you from living I've had to address my, my, the madness I had with my grandparents at times. Do you understand? Whether it was because of how they treated each other, whether it was because of how they treated my parents, whether because it, it was how they treated me or my siblings. And I've had to ask for forgiveness, but I've had to say it hurts. Some of you were so wanting to be perfect, you're too scared to say that hurt. That affected me. That affects me. Honestly, allow yourself to do it. And Julie, thank you. I love, 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 love you too. I'm just proud of you guys. I, I, I am so proud that I have a flipping army. It's so deep. It's so solid. It's lit. It's lit. Our conversations hit different because we're not scared. We're not scared of you. Like Anna said, you can't come into a room with me. And I just see stuff, guys. And I'm glad that I allow myself to see. I'm glad that I've allowed myself to be disobedient. I'm glad that I've allowed myself to not listen to my parents. I don't listen to them sometimes, to this day. 
I'll say it with love because they don't always know the way for me. And plus, sometimes they don't practice what they preach. <laughs> so I'll draw them out <laughs> with love. And I pray that you guys are powerful and strong enough to do the same thing with you and yours. And your children will do the same thing with you. One day, I'm going to bring my boys to the stage and, oh, child, I might leave the room because they're a different level of honest. But we need it. Grand evening, Mr. Claude. Thank you so much, Daddy, for coming to the stage. How are you? What's good? Dad? Dad? Claude, did you fall asleep? <laughs> and everybody else? No, I, did. no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I'm just driving, so I just try and unmute myself without being suspicious. I don't know, your mum asked me to come up to the room, so she just asked me to come up to the room, so I'm just being um, obedient. How are you feeling after this conversation? Um, very good, very, 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 very good. Very good room, very good room. Um, in, anyway, I've got my own things that I have to deal with and my own issues that I would sit down and address and deal with but then at the same time it's been a very good room very good room. very very um powerful room. Uh, I, I king salute the um ladies that stepped up today because but i know what it's like to be in a room and into the rooms and you're not so like you're nervous but you know it's just as um Is it Anna? As Anna said, yeah, sorry. Um, it's not the fact of um, being nervous about getting in the room or anything. It's the fact of being on the stage and just speaking to um, the room in that way. That's I understand the nervousness like that. Julie said she was nervous beforehand, but, you know, one foot in front of the next, and they did it, yeah. Tina, come up, said her piece. You said your piece. A very, very, very um, powerful group today. Very powerful. Queen salute you lot. King salute you lot, sorry. Very, very, very good. Very good. We love it. And I just picked a stick for everybody. And the stick simply says, you're not alone. And I genuinely think this room has been a reflection of that. We are seriously not alone in any of the seasons we're in. I'm just going to meet you, Dad. In any of the circumstances we've faced, in anything that we're going through, we are here. But more importantly, in this month of guidance, you've got something greater than you ever can fathom that is with you at all times. If only you're really willing to invite the divine into your life, your life will never be the same. Never. And so I pray that this room invites everybody to heal, invites everybody to have the conversations with loved ones that they need to have, to write letters of forgiveness if that needs to be done, do it. To sit and talk to yourself, to maybe hug yourself, to love on yourself to go to a cup of tea podcast and do the self-love journey. Listen to it, do it. 
do it.